Hello, welcome to our podcast. My name is Lily Zuccaro. And I'm Maddie Eberhard. And our topic is looking at the impact of COVID um, on the elderly in long-term care facilities. In an article called um, Competing Crisis, COVID-19 Countermeasures and Social Isolation Among Older Adults in Long-Term Care, talked about a really important quote. And the quote was about, if we as individuals value quality of life over quantity of life, or vice versa. And it talks about how we define quality of life. So my perspective on this is that The authorities seem to value quantity of life, so there's a lot of uproar and worrying about how many individuals are dying. However, there's also the quality of life aspect where is life worth living if it's not enjoyable, where you can't see people, where individuals are in complete social isolation and blocked out from the outside world. And this kind of led us to the question of how we define quality of life and how everyone defines this differently. And honestly, we nor authorities know the right answer, especially given the pandemic, if we should value quantity versus quality or either way. But I really think this is important when we think about the individuals in the nursing homes in long-term care facilities where their quality of life is just being decreased so much because they are not able to see anyone that they love. Um, They're not able to have contact with anyone. They're not allowed to see those faces of underneath the mask. And just a lot of their life is taken away from them. So it's just something to think about as we progress through this topic. The next topic we are going to talk about is how prior to the pandemic, a lot of the elderly population um, were already experiencing negative emotions surrounding loneliness and how COVID really elevated these emotions. So first off, to offer some statistics on this, a study was conducted at the University of Michigan on adults between the ages of about 50 to 80 about lack of companionship and isolation. So for lack of companionship, 41% reported feelings of lack of companionship in June of 2020, which was really like the height of COVID. Compared to in 2018, 34% reported um, lack of companionship. And in regards to social isolation, in June of 2020, 56% reported feelings of isolation compared to 27%, which was reported in 2018. So as you can see from this data, these feelings were already prevalent among the elderly community and COVID has had um, just such a negative impact on these emotions. And this is really concerning considering people, people often go to assisted living and retirement homes um, to have these social interactions with people and COVID has really taken this away. So um, I work at two assisted living facilities, one of which is memory care and one that is not. And I'll share more of my experiences as we go along. But I will never forget, there's this one woman. She's super social. She loves talking to everybody. And obviously, because of COVID, this restricted her social interactions. And I remember my first week of working there, I went up to her room. And on her wall, she had this huge sign that said, um, no hugging or kissing anyone. 
And, you know, just as a reminder to her, because she just loved to talk to everybody, loved to hug everyone, loved to kiss anyone. So like that really just opened my eyes to see like how this is actually really impacting them. So let's talk about stress, anxiety, and depression. In almost every single illness, a environmental factor to obtaining the illness is stress. Stress has huge, huge impacts on our physiology. It has impacts on our mental state. And it really has impacts at a cellular level level, where our body changes when we're under stress. So COVID has put an extreme amount of stress on individuals in long-term care because they may be confused about what's going on around them. They may be feeling anxious or depressed because of all of the changes and not being able to see family. And so the real question is that what does that stress do to their body and how does that really impact their prior health conditions? An individual who maybe already has an illness, that illness may go into exacerbation because they are under stress and that stress is causing them to feel worse about prior illnesses. And so it's really important that we think about the implications of stress and how that has very severe negative effects and especially long-term stress. So at first, we thought COVID would only be a little bit, maybe three weeks of quarantine. But now that it's been going on for over a year, that is chronic stress. And so that chronic stress is taking a toll on older individuals who their body is already going through that aging process. Um, And so we just really want to be conscious about this and understand that is that stress relief of seeing their best friend in the nursing home, is that really going to be more damaging than the damage of the stress? Because in the end, we want these people to feel good. We want them to be in this environment where they're happy and they're not stressed because they move there so they could be in a relaxed state and get the type of care that they need. So why would we put extra stress on them? I think it's also important to talk about the impact of loss the residents are experiencing as some of their friends at the long-term care facilities have either been transferred to more intensive care as a result of having COVID or have passed away. So although we have all probably experienced loss throughout this pandemic, like I mentioned before, long-term care facilities have the highest rates of COVID cases and COVID deaths. So these residents have experienced an extensive amount of loss. Um, and I know for the building that I work at, once COVID got in, it spread like wildfire. And out of 56 residents, only 12 ended up not getting COVID. And I think it ended up to be about like 22 of them um, ended up passing away. So um, I think it's really important to take this loss that they're ex- experiencing into consideration on top of the loss of autonomy they are experiencing. It seems to be that the world really emphasizes physical needs more than psychological needs. However, since especially COVID, 
we are starting to realize that psychological needs are just as important as physical needs. And so when we're thinking about the nursing home environment, we're understanding that their psychological needs and their feelings of loneliness and feelings of depression are just as important as their physical needs of maybe needing a walker or needing um, modify the environments that support their physical needs. So we just want to bring this up because a lot of times we can't see what's going on behind the scenes or we can't see their mental distress, but we can understand that it's a hard time for everyone and that we need to ask questions and try to understand their stories a little bit better so we can best help them in every situation. The research we looked into also talked about how COVID takes away autonomy or freedom of choice. COVID has taken away everyone's freedom of being able to hang out with who they want to, being able to go to the grocery store at certain times, and so many different variables. But especially for adults in nursing homes and long-term care facilities, they already had lessened autonomy. They, they are told when to eat, what to eat, but now further they're told that they can't see their one best friend in the nursing home with them. They're told that they can't see their families that they love so very much, and there is so much that they want to be able to do that they're told that they can't, and having choice gives people power and um, motivation, and so when we take that out, then they might have that lack of purpose in their life and that lack of meaning because what is there to look forward to they aren't able to do the things that they choose and so later on we are going to talk about how to really implement choice into an individual's life and to give them that power back to feel like they do have control of the situation and that even though COVID is going on and that, you know, they might not be able to see their friend next door for safety reasons, that we can give them choice back through different sorts of activities and occupations and help them bring that purpose back into their life and regain control of their environment. One of the major restrictions that came along with the pandemic to help reduce the spread of COVID um, was having visitor restrictions. So at this point in time, I believe where I work, visitors are allowed, um, but only by making an appointment, which I think they're about like 30 minutes long and they can't go into the residence room. They have to sit at a table in the lobby with plexiglass between them. And this actually was just like a recent um, lifted restriction that occurred. Um, But versus like in the beginning of the pandemic, I was working at the um, building like for memory care. And it was just so hard on the residents because they weren't understanding why their family family members weren't coming. You know, and they would often ask, "Uh, where's so-and-so? And we would try to explain to them what was going on. Um, but some of the residents just, like, could not comprehend it. So, um, yeah, like, this caused a lot of behavioral issues. And this was actually, like, the first time I was hit um, by one of the residents because she was just so aggravated and confused by all the changes that were occurring um, just as a result of the pandemic. 
As for the other building, I worked at over winter break. These residents were are more like cognitively intact, so they understood what was going on. Um, but they really just missed their family members so much and were just, you know, so upset that they were missing out on events such as like Thanksgiving and Christmas and like birthdays, things like that. Um, and also looking at this problem from the perspective of the family members, they haven't been able to see their loved ones for, you know, since March of 2020. And um, I remember when I came back for spring break last year in March, um, before everything shut down, this woman just moved her mother into assisted living. And um, it was so sad because that was the last time she was able to see her mom. And she, you know, wasn't really fully aware of that at the time because it just all happened so fast. So it's just, you know, a very unfortunate situation Especially if the resident did contract COVID, the family members weren't able to go see them um, in the hospital. As I've already alluded to throughout the podcast, there are major differences in the impact COVID has had on long-term memory care facilities versus those that are not for memory care. So um, the CDC has an article about infection prevention and control guidance for memory care units. And one of the points it talked about is that the residents in memory care units can have a difficult time following recommended infection and prevention practices, such as social distancing, washing their hands, avoiding touching their face, and wearing a mask. Also, the article talked about how um, changes to the routines and disruption in daily schedules can cause behavioral issues. And I can say I 100% agree with this and have witnessed this firsthand. And because of this, the restrictions that they have in place at memory care facilities are actually less strict than those that aren't for um, memory care because people with dementia and Alzheimer's are constantly wondering and um elopement is just so common among this population. You can tell a resident that they have to stay in the room and some might actually listen, some might not, just depending on the resident. But if they do listen, um, after a little bit, they might forget what you told them and then they're going to come out of their room and it's just a cyclical process all day, every day, trying to keep them, um, you know, isolated in their room. So this is why COVID is more likely to spread in memory care facilities because it is very difficult to keep them isolated in their rooms. Another topic of concern is how much do you tell the residents about what is going on in our world? Um, Because as the saying goes, sometimes ignorance is bliss. And this topic is especially touchy in regards to individuals with cognitive impairments. So um, just like a personal reference. So for the building that I worked at that was not for memory care, we kept the residents up to date and sent out a letter each time a new resident or staff member tested positive for COVID. And it got to the point over winter break where there was a new letter sent out almost every day or every other day, it felt like. Um, And I noticed the amount of stress and anxiety this evoked on the residents as many of them would call up the front desk to see who tested positive. But uh, because of HIPAA, this information was not allowed to be released. 
The only thing they can tell you is if you've been exposed to whoever tested positive. Um, anyways, but for the residents with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, there is not a system set up like this for, I mean, one major re- reason being is that um, they didn't really understand what was going on, or if they did, they wouldn't really remember what we told them. Um but this brings up the question is like, does this mean that we shouldn't um, keep them in the loop at all? And this is a question that I still struggle with to answer myself, because at times when I would explain to the residents what was going on, those who were able to follow what I was saying would start to like get really nervous and um, in return have major behavioral issues. So the goal of this podcast is to provide you with a solution and an action of what you can do to help support and solve this problem. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is media and the mindset. So in the media, we portray the elderly population as being vulnerable. We say that they are weak. We use all of these negative, negative terms saying that we don't think that they can overcome this illness. And that's because, yes, research does say that. But in an article um, by Paulin in 2020, it states that using this mindset puts in people's head that they can't persevere, that they can't fight the virus, that they can't be healthy. And ultimately, the mind plays a huge factor in overcoming illness and being resilient. So... The media is portraying that elderly people are going to die. And that's partially the case, but that's not the whole case. And we need to change that mindset to say, no, you are strong, you are able, and you can do so many things to help yourself throughout the COVID pandemic. So we're going to go into more things about ways that individuals can be more involved and less lonely but the first step is really changing that mindset of vulnerable to empowered a blog we found online talked about how in the nursing home family members would write letters and then the elderly people would be able to um, read them and feel connected to their family and so we think this is just an amazing thing to do and if families are able to do that then they can deliver the letter so it's not delayed by posting or the post office but we also want to bring awareness about literacy and understanding because not all people have an education not all people can read and write and especially throughout the aging process if there's fine motor skill weakness or cognitive delays, then we want to be able to really connect with those people and not feel that the letter writing is secluding them even more. So maybe this is a staff member helps them read the letter or explains it to them or helps them write it. So just being cognizant of 
Each individual might have different needs, both physical and cognitive, and the leathers might work for some, but they might not for others. But in the end, it's just a great idea to help families connect with their loved ones. Another amazing thing we came across in some articles was technology. And so it's really important that we use this phrase, be gentle with introducing technology. A lot of elderly people didn't grow up with technology and they might not have used it and it might be really confusing to them. So it's important that we are gentle with teaching them about it and not forcing anything because sometimes they might not be interested in it and it might cause them more stress and confusion. For example, we're going to be talking about FaceTime and video chats, and this can be great, but also there can be a lot of confusion of why can I see this person on my phone, but why can't they come to the nursing home? Why can't they come visit me? Um, so yeah, that can be really impactful for people. Technology is great. It allows people to connect who are even farther distances away. So for an example, when the travel ban was going on, families could talk to their loved ones if they were in a different state. So technology really has a ton of positive aspects, but we need to make sure that we're providing the individual in a kind way to help them understand it rather than just forcing them to use the and them being really confused and worried. Another suggestion on what we can do to help minimize the negative psychological impacts on residents is to allow them to video chat with their loved ones. This has been a lifesaver during the pandemic to keep in touch with family and friends. And it also allows friends and family members who are not local to keep in touch with their loved ones um, in a long-term care facility. However, it is important to note that for residents with cognitive impairments, this concept of video chatting can be really confusing and it might not work for everyone. Um, but for others, this is a great and easy way to stay connected. Although there are restrictions um, on going inside the long-term care facilities, friends and family members have still gone to the buildings and have visited um, through the window. This is a plausible option for residents who um, live on the first floor and have an accessible window. I actually saw m many family members do this, but the only problem I noticed was that, um, so they didn't allow you to open up the window, so it was hard to hear um, what the other person was saying. But to solve this problem, many family members would just call their loved ones while they were outside their window. In pathophysiology, we talked about how medical providers will keep a journal of what they're doing and what's going on for the client. And so we think this is just a great idea and so wonderful because it can help the individual understand what's going on around them and be able to decipher day from day when they are confined and in isolation in their room. And Again, this might be tricky to facilitate because it's added work for the already really busy and overworked medical care providers, but it is impactful and we think it's important for especially individuals with dementia or 
just um, cognitive deficits through the aging process, that they understand what's going on um, around them and understand each day. And then maybe they can add to their journal and they can talk about what they did that day. And it can be a little bit of reflection and appreciation. Another major thing that can be done for residents is bringing fun activities into their rooms. So I actually work in the activities department at both of the buildings I've talked about. And this is exactly what I did with the residents. And it was honestly so rewarding because it made a huge difference every time I went in. And they would constantly thank me for spending time with them. Um, But some activities that I did with the residents that were a big hit... um, was virtual reality. So this is where they would put on like these headset goggle things that showed 3D pictures and videos. And it was really cool because they had a live one. So people from other long-term care facilities were listening to um, this guy read about the picture or video um, that they were seeing on their goggles. And there were fun trivia questions that went along with it. Um, Also, another easy and fun activity I would do with the residents is just listen to music and sing and dance. Um, There's a lot of research out there about the positive impacts that music can have on you, especially for people with dementia and Alzheimer's. And just overall, I loved having this as my job during such a a time of need. And I would find activities that the residents would want to do because everybody has different interests. So providing person-centered care is always important, but during times like these, it was even more crucial to do so. Thank you for listening. We hope that you can use this knowledge and skills to care for your loved ones.